Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. So the following article is from the November 2011 The Short Talk Bulletin and was reprinted in an issue of the Southern California Research Lodge Fraternal Review. I'm not sure which one because I just have the paper copy and it doesn't show me all the information. But let's uh, dig into this one. So this is Freemasonry and Alchemy by Timothy Hogan. And then there's an editor's note at the beginning. In today's world, the term alchemy calls up thoughts about converting lead to gold. In point of fact, alchemy was the forerunner of modern science. Many well-known and distinguished Masons wrote about alchemy and some were more directly involved. This article by Brother Timothy Hogan has been edited for length from a longer article titled Three Prominent Early Freemasons Who Were Alchemists, published online in livingstonesmagazine.com. Brother Hogan is a past master of East Denver Lodge number 160 and a member of Enlightenment Lodge number 198, both in Colorado. This article is reprinted with permission. Uh, and I've actually looked up the copyright laws on this, and as long as we're not making money on this and I'm sharing things that are printed, at least my understanding is that it's okay to do this. So, And we do this for fun, not for money. Alchemy is known as an ancient art, studied by the Egyptians, Sumerians, Chinese, and Greeks. Later on, alchemical texts were translated and studied by alchemists of Islam, likely of Sufi background. Later still, we know that the science was exposed to the Templars by Muslims in the Holy Land, and the Templars adopted alchemical practices for healing their fighting force, particularly with mold extracts. It was the Templar financing which resulted in alchemical imagery being incorporated onto the early cathedrals, and this is also how many of the colors of the stained glass in the cathedrals were developed using alchemical techniques. It is hard to explain the appearance of alchemical imagery on the cathedrals otherwise, since Europe as a whole had not read alchemical texts around the time of their constructions, and only custodians of the alchemical works were Muslims in the Holy Land. The only known group that had developed relationships with Muslims and who had an entire building force that developed Gothic architecture were the Templars themselves. By some estimates, the Templars built over 1,000 Gothic-style churches, cathedrals, and buildings in their short 200-year public existence between 1118 and 1314. And contrary to popular opinion, the Order had a number of members that served in capacities other than just knights. They had members that served as everything from stonemasons to clerics to sea captains. In addition to alchemical knowledge, they also studied and incorporated architectural techniques that they acquired from studying Islamic sources. Of course, the main promoter of these cathedrals was St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who wrote the Rule of the Templars and whose personal emblem was the beehive. Later building guilds like the Children of Solomon and the Children of the Master Jacques had claimed their early origins with the Templars themselves. This is the reason why, according to many historians, the cathedral building age came to an abrupt halt at the same time as the suppression of the Templars themselves. 
Sir Christopher Wren later alluded to some of this connection in his tracts on architecture when he said, quote, The different forms of vaultings are necessary to be considered, either as they were used by the ancients or the moderns, whether Freemasons or Saracens. End quote. Around the time as the Templar development, in the year 1144 AD, the Englishman Robert of Chester completed a translation of the Book of the Composition of Alchemy. The book was translated into Latin from Arabic in Spain. In, in 1264, Albertus Magnus, Bishop of Rheims, ordered the translation of alchemical text from Arabic and wrote De Mineralabis. In 1150, an anonymous source translated the text Turba Philosophorum from Arabic, and the alchemist Raymond Lull, believed by some to be a possible Templar who actually later died in the Holy Land, published his Ars Magna in 1275. Between the fall of the Templars and the 1600s, there were a few well-known personalities who published works on alchemy, including Francis Bacon, John Dee, and others, but the subject stayed relatively obscure. Every once in a while, traces would emerge of alchemists, as for example the figure of the patron saint of alchemists, Hermes Trismegistus, being added to the mosaic pavement of the Cathedral of Siena in 1488. Texts stayed relatively rare during this period, likely due to papal bulls forbidding the practice of alchemy, and some monarchs likewise forbid its practice. Though truth be told, popes and kings were also known to secretly hire alchemists during this period, as for example Pope Leo X. Throughout the mid-1500s and 1600s, a new renaissance on the subject emerged, with lots of new texts being published on the subject. In particular, various texts began to emerge announcing a new alchemical movement called the Rosicrucians, or Brethren of the Rosy Cross, which was a secret society that were likewise accused in their day of being the Templars returning, especially since their supposed founder, Father C.R.C., bore on his white cloak a red Templar cross. Later still, the Rosicrucians were associated by many Masonic historians with being the forerunner and influence to what was to become speculative Freemasonry. Without exploring Masonic ritual and its clear association with alchemy at this time, suffice it to say that Freemasonry owes much to the alchemical tradition, and there have been many famous Freemasons over the centuries who were also practicing alchemists, or who wrote extensively on alchemy. Perhaps the most well-known include people like Cagliostro, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Pike, and Manley P. Hall, who all explored alchemy and wrote on the subject extensively. It can be argued how much the influence these various brothers have had on Freemasonry over the centuries, but there are three alchemists in particular who, without a doubt, have had a tremendous influence on the early history of the craft, but very few Masons know they were alchemists. The three brothers in question are Robert Moray, Elias Ashmole, and Jean Theophilus de Sagalier. The first two are known for being two of the earliest speculative Freemasons, with Moray coming from Scotland and Ashmole being born and initiated in England. The third personality is credited by some of revising the Masonic degrees, possibly introducing the third degree in Freemasonry, and helping to write Anderson's constitutions, obviously with Henry Anderson. Everywhere we look in early Freemasonry, we find traces of alchemy, whether we look to the Templars, to the cathedrals, or the Royal Society itself. As can be seen, the three personalities associated more than any other with the foundations of speculative Freemasonry were all operative alchemists. This being the case, it becomes clear that if we are to truly understand the symbolism of the craft itself, then we must have an understanding of the alchemical craft. 
Alchemy had used building metaphors for its operations from the beginning, with the prime matter of the Philosopher's Stone often being referred to as the cornerstone. So it was no stretch to create a system of initiation that embodied these elements, and it would explain why people like Moray, Ashmole, and de Sagalier were attracted to Freemasonry to begin with. Alchemy likewise utilized death and raising metaphors, and some have suggested that even the early mystery rites of earlier societies patterned themselves on similar operations, which is why in ancient Gnostic schools, for example, we find baptisms of water, air, and fire over three degrees, like we find associated with the penalties in Masonic ritual. Scholars like Moray, Ashmole, and de Sagalier would have certainly been aware of these connections with the past, and so in some way, de Sagalier's reshaping of Masonic ritual would have been done to bring it more in line with the early traditions. Whether we choose to accept an ancient connection with Freemasonry or not, there can be no doubt that some of the most influential and well-known Freemasons were all operative alchemists, which is what makes the subject worthy of our study if we ever hope to understand the meanings behind the Masonic craft. The following article is from the November-December 2019 California Freemason Magazine. Alchemy and the Transmutation of a Freemason Gold has always held a special place in masonry, metaphorically anyway, by David Harrison. The relationship between alchemy, the pre-medieval philosophy and ancient pursuit of transforming metals into gold, and Freemasonry is closer than you might think. Indeed, much of the symbolism used in the craft historically reflects the theme of transmutation, how to make a good man better, the journey from apprentice to master being part of a pathway to perfection and excellence. That lives on in Masonic symbols like the Ouroboros and Mercury with the Codicus. Alchemy is even mentioned in certain rites from the 18th century, such as Count Cagliostro's Egyptian rite and Melissino's rite, which both refer to alchemy or chemistry, especially the way the process is said to transform certain substances. In these cases, alchemy is a metaphor for the journey of the Freemason as he, or she in the case of Cagliostro's rite, continues through the higher degrees, transmuting to perfection through the discovery of the lost knowledge of the ancients. As Freemasons, we symbolically work stone to perfect it, stone that originally comes from the earth. In Melissino's rite, it is mentioned, chemistry is art and wisdom is nature, and the most learned chemist cannot be even a pupil among us. Today, Masons strive for perfection in ritual and in life itself, much like those ancient alchemists seeking lost knowledge to turn metal into gold. The following article is from the May-June 2017 California Freemason Magazine. Title of the article is The Art of Transformation, Exploring Masonic Connections to One of the First Sciences, by Thomas D. Worrell. While seeking personal improvement, Masons often discover that Freemasonry reflects the light that best suits their personalities, adding depth and meaning to the fraternal experience. One of the great lights within the kaleidoscope of Freemasonry is alchemy. A cultural exchange. Alchemy is commonly known as the attempt to transform lesser metals into the perfect state of gold. It also applies to laboratory procedures designed to extract and strengthen the essence of plants for medicinal use. Another definition exists existing since at least the time of the alchemist Zosimos, AD 300, positions the symbolism of alchemical methods in a spiritual arena. In this form of alchemy, the soul is transformed. Historians have linked alchemy's origins to early discoveries in metallurgy and its surrounding philosophies. 
Early scientists believed that metals grew within the womb of the earth. As gold was the ultimate metal of nature's processes, craftsmen who worked with it were thought to be performing a sacred function. Although alchemical theories are found in a number of cultures, those that reached Europe originated in Egypt, then spread through the Hellenistic Alexandria and through Byzantium and Islamic sources. In the fertile philosophical atmosphere of the first few centuries AD, several schools of thought flourished and interacted in Alexandria, including Gnosticism, Hermeticism, and Neoplatonism. Early forms of alchemy absorbed these teachings, producing a philosophical foundation. When Rome fell, Europe lost much of its Hellenistic culture and teachings, but alchemy was preserved and continued to evolve within Islamic cultures. Arabic philosophical and alchemical texts slowly spread to Europe, and at the beginning of the Italian Renaissance, these teachings took a higher form. The Renaissance was a revival, a resurrection, so to speak, of the pagan spirit of ancient Greece and Rome. It affected every art and craft, as well as religion and philosophy. Visionary Renaissance artists such as Michelangelo, da Vinci, Raphael, and Botticelli embodied this spirit. Several factors catalyzed this cultural quickening. When Constantinople fell to the Ottoman Turks, refugees fled west, bringing along lost texts by Plato and other Greco-Roman philosophers. One of the most influential to alchemy was Corpus Hermeticum, attributed to Hermes. In 1492, Catholic monarchs Isabella and Ferdinand issued the Alhambra Decree, expelling all practicing Jews from Spain. Jewish refugees fled to the Italian peninsula, bringing mystical Kabbalistic texts with them. Under the patronage of the Medici family, scholar Marcio Ficino founded a Platonic academy to translate and study these texts. The table was set for a philosophical banquet and intellectuals from all over Europe came for the feast. Alchemical practices had been operating in Europe already, and this new impetus soon fueled further research and publication of, al of alchemical subjects. As Nicholas Goodrich Clark writes in the Western Esoteric Tradition, while many alchemical texts were available in the late Middle Ages, the period spanning 1550 to 1650 witnessed a notable surge in alchemical and medico-chemical publishing in Europe. This rapid diffusion of alchemy relates directly to its combination with Neoplatonic and Hermetic approaches to nature. The great philosophical works available since the Renaissance set alchemy, both operative scientific transformations and speculative spiritual transformations, upon a solid foundation. The Alchemical Craft Although alchemy was not explicitly mentioned in the first three degrees of early Masonic rituals, Symbols of transformation, such as the rough and perfectly ashlars, are easily recognizable. The symbolism of chalk, charcoal, and clay has been attributed to the alchemical principles of mercury, sulfur, and salt. To some, the master mason degree symbolizes regeneration or transformation. As more Masonic degrees developed later in the 18th century, references to alchemy were more recognizable, such as the sixth-degree jewel of the Scottish Rite, which represents the emerald tablet of Hermes. Brother Mozart's opera, The Magic Flute, composed in the same era, contains Masonic overtones and is also an alchemical allegory. Many early Freemasons were also prominent alchemists. The two earliest Masons on record were Robert Moray, initiated in 1641, and Elias Ashmole, initiated in 1646. Both Moray and Ashmole were founding members of the Royal Society and interested in Rosicrucianism and alchemy. Moray married the daughter of David Lindsay, a collector of Rosicrucian and alchemical manuscripts. According to scholar Marcia Keith Skukard, 
Both men would play important roles in the development of Freemasonry. Ashmole even published a collection of English alchemical texts in his 1652 Theatrum Chemicum Britannicum. Without concrete evidence, it is impossible to categorically declare that the beginnings of Freemasonry were intertwined with alchemy. However, it is also a mistake to state the opposite. The shared symbolism is too prevalent and suggestive to dismiss. In the study of alchemy and its symbols, Masons certainly may find further light and a deeper understanding of the craft's degrees and teachings. In fact, both studies elucidate each other, facilitating further avenues of discovery. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.